Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It is I, Grognard the Young, the Young Grognard, for another episode in the campaign, The Beckons of the Herald of Steel, in the adventure, The Queen, with the quest series, The Way of the Queen. We are just about wrapping up a particularly interesting leg of this quest, as the party had just defeated Calgir the Snipe in his home lair and destroyed his weapon, but much to their woe and amazement, the sapphire that they had sought for alchemical componenture turns out to be nothing more than measly glass. And our party stands there slack-jawed and stupid, looking over a pile of blue glass on the floor, thinking they had just been duped when they can hear the sounds of some rabble-rousing downstairs outside of the entrance to the manor. And it sounds like perhaps your friend at the front door um, may have called in for backup. What would the party like to do as we jump into this episode? Oh, wait. We all leveled up. Anybody want to talk about the level up as we put a pause on the excitement? <laughs> Anything fun happen? Any archetypes? I Where's almost the... have 30 points of health. <laughs> so close. That's really the value of a level up is, is how close you get to integers of 10. Mm-hmm. I know we got second level spells. Anything anybody wants to admit to me before I have to start nerfing things and getting rid of certain things? Uh... Maybe I start casting daylight everywhere so Shadowblade doesn't work as well. Huh. Maybe I just put up areas of silence to keep you guys from doing that. Maybe I make certain, I don't know, weapons that like, Wait, like so- arrows that like cast silence wherever they hit so I can shoot them <laughs> across the map and just shut you guys the fuck up from using that spell. <laughs> Not that you've ever used Shadowblade before. I don't really know how it works. Nobody really told I, I, I'm me I'm how it happy works. To expl- happy to explain how Shadowblade works when the time comes. Is this when oh, you say words. 27? <laughs> and then at some point during combat, if we get into it, I'll say 27, and you'll ask, what do you mean? And I'll say, okay. And then I'll say 16, and then, well, that's the end of my turn. Yeah, I think that that's how that works. Yeah, not to, not to, I know that it, talking about past games is kind of a faux pas on the podcast, but the first time this motherfucker ever used Shadowblade on me, I asked him, what does it do? It's a and blade he told made to of me, shadow. And he just told me, 27, because that's what he got in his attack roll. And I said, no, what does it do? And you said, 16. And I'm like, what, what, why are you just saying numbers? I'm like, do you know the arrogance there? So when I hear that I've got two people in particular who are trying to take Shadowblade, yeah, I, I'm planning on getting rid of it. I'm also well, now, got my, if any of you 
die, I can make sure you don't decay for 10 days. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, thank God. That was what we were really worried about. You already died once. It's one thing if you die, but if you're dying and you stink, that's just too much. <laughs> yeah. Alright, anybody else got so, anything of note? Jarzak chose his uh, packed balloon. So. And that is? Back to the blade. Okay, so what does that do, fancy pants? Uh, makes it so I can now have a blade as a hex blade, which is cool. And then you took the improved thingy for one of your invocations? Yeah, yeah, so I can have a bunch of different weapons and a plus one to it and all that. So, um, and did Norhill do anything fancy-fancy? Yes, Norhill is now a battle master, and he's got maneuvers, so now I can outmaneuver <laughs> the enemies who already had maneuvers. <laughs> now you can start rolling above single digits. <laughs> oh, no, no uh, it doesn't give me any, uh, nothing gives me a bonus to hit. I know. <laughs> I just wanted you to say it. Or initiative. Nope. <laughs> but, but don't worry, he's going to roll a hot one on every superiority die. Yep. <laughs> it is the way. Okay, so as the uh, as the Shendel grip, the fabled crossbow with the strange level of intelligence is destroyed upon the floor, um, Jarzak does feel in the back of his brain that certain itching sensation as he hears the voice beckoning, uh, beckoning from the darkness, and it says, "You have done well. You appease me, Jarzak. Ye shall be bestowed with gifts. I bless your travel." And with that. You basically get your packed thingy, but Hell yeah. with cool voices first. Ooh. No ghosts, though. No ghosts. Yeah, I just make a copy of the Shendel Grip. That's what that's, you can do with it. That's not how that works. <laughs> that's not how any of this you works. Can conjure up a cro- two-handed crossbow if he wants. So our ge- oh my god. Okay, <laughs> listen. The party stands over the broken blue glass, thinking they got duped. The party's ready to rock and roll. You guys hear the people outside the front door of the manor, and it sounds like they're all kind of rabble-rousing and being led into the house. What would y'all like to do? Is there a window that overlooks the rabble-rousing in this room Um, that we're standing in? No, you guys are in the back side of the house. Uh, Norhope would like to go find a window to see if he can see what's going on. Okay, if you guys would like to follow him, um, when you're heading that way towards the stairs, towards the front of the building, if they are inside the building, they're basically going to be like just below you at the bottom of the stairs. So where you're going to be standing to look out the window, they'll be like at the bottom of the stairs looking up at you. Okay, yeah, I, um, in that case, can Norhill also just grab the pieces of the Shendel grip? Uh, yeah, I mean, as you're picking them up, you can feel them starting to kind of dissipate a little bit in your grip as if like the bone itself that it's made out of is sort of been kept alive over the years in a way that it wasn't supposed to be. And you can feel it starting to decay in the same way that the corpse or at least the head of the uh, dark priestess started to decay it rapidly as well. It seems like something's feasting upon this the same way that the flesh was feasted upon before. Mm-hmm. Like is there any part of it that word. seems like it's going to last longer than a few minutes? Um, I suppose there's, uh, like a, a bit of metal that seems to rust up quite a bit. And then there is a bit of like a glass lens on it. That's like sort of like the scope to it. Um, you could grab that, but even then that seems like it's already rusted out pretty rough. Okay. Yeah. It's just as long as that's not going to be completely gone in the next few minutes, that should be all right. Sure. Okay. 
So Norhill scoops that up amongst the pile of bony ashes on the floor. Um, was there anything else going on in this room now? Oh, Klika wants to grab the book he was reading. Oh yeah, that was the uh, fancy book about um, um, double crossing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So you pick up the double crossing book and inside you see that there's a like square cut out in all the pages and sitting inside is a piece of wood that's been whittled to look like a dryad and she is rather sultry and very suggestive and you can tell Calgear was nothing more than a naughty, naughty boy. Klika blushes and closes the book and then tries to sneak it into Jarzak's bag. <laughs> Wait, the book with the thingy in it? Yeah. Okay, very good. Turns out Calgear was just in here beaten off. It's not yeah. even like... <laughs> That's why like... he was in such a weird pose, you know? <laughs> Turns out Pyther was the only person who saw him doing this, and he's like, I have to lock him up and kill him. He's <laughs> like, I didn't even do anything. He's like, you saw too much. So anyway... Uh, now that we've got the beat off wood, uh, we slap it in Jarzak's bag as Jarzak's picking his nose as per usual. Um, okay, so it sounds like the people have entered the building and it sounds like a team of at least 10 or 12 of them seem to be bustling up the stairs. They're about 40 feet away going around the corner of the hall. So are we going to try and talk them down or are we, are we going out guns a-blazing? Let's try, let's try to ta talk them down. We've been able to take their boss. I doubt they'll be able to stand up to us after that. Good luck, Chucks. All right. So as you guys are talking this over, did you want to adjust your standing or anything inside this room? The only one is actually going to go out and see if he can, like, you know, head off the rabble coming up the stairs so that as they're coming up, he's, like, standing impressively at the top. Okay, yeah, I'll let you do that in time. So, as you yeah. book it out of the door, is anybody going to come with you, or is it just you? Uh, I'll go with them, but stand just, like, I'll go behind them. Okay. <laughs> we'll let Norhill get hit. We'll just be there no. for support. <laughs> I'll go. So yeah. you can stand there behind him so he can get hit, and then, yeah, right, okay, well, right. No, yeah, so. I mean, honestly, I can, I can cast Shield of Faith on him. Make sure he doesn't get whacked. Anton's going to stand directly behind Norhill, and as soon as it goes south, Anton's just going to drape his body over Norhill's, like oh a parent God. protecting their child. I thought you were going to shove him down the stairs. <laughs> no. Be like, oh, you're not uh, entertained. Hey, hey uh, don't take my plan. <laughs> like, hey, well, that's a really good idea. Jarzak totally thought of it first. Um, Okay, so Norhill runs down the hall with the two of them in tow and makes I'm it to the top of the as well. Okay, so Klika also, the fucking party goes down there <laughs> no, with Norhill have, in the front. I have a quick question, I'm sorry. I Arnie, see, so help um, me God, if this is about leveled spells and cantrips. <laughs> yeah, it actually is. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks for listening in. <laughs> so sorry. No, I'm noticing for Shield of Faith it's a level one spell, but when I cast it, it's like, you want to make it level two? <laughs> It just means that if you have it prepared at all as a spell, you can use a second level slot to cast it. So ah. can, rather than use it as a first level slot, you can prepare it higher. Okay, got it. Or okay. cast it higher, I know, I know it some of them have additional bonuses once you reach like second extra levels, but I wasn't. Or if you use that, 
if you use a higher level slot to cast it, then you get a bonus. Right, right, right. But for a spell like Shield of Faith, there is no bonus for upcasting. But if you are out of first level spell slot, you can cast it at a second level. Got it. Thank you. I yep. just need a refresher. Fair enough. I'm also going to say nobody gets to utilize their special powers for leveling up until a long rest is completed, just so that we don't kill a guy and all of a sudden we can cast brand new spells that we didn't pray for in the morning. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that goes for so everybody. So I can't cast Shadow Blade. No. And you know what? I've decided for the rest of the campaign there will be no long rests, so nobody gets any benefits <laughs> from one of them. So <laughs> I... Okay. Uh, yeah, Jarzak's gonna actually stay in the room, lock the door, and <laughs> take a quick rest. No, it has to be a long one. There's no quick rest. Cleek anyway. cast jump on herself and just springs out the window. See you suckers later. Falls to her death, overzealously jumping too high. <laughs> no healer in sight. <laughs> but it looked dope. Yeah. Um, so Norhill runs to the top of the stairs and looks down, and you see a group of them come Black Friday hurtling up the stairs looking for a PS5 and they stop down their tracks as they look up at you and you can see they're all brandishing like clubs and stuff. Many of them don't have weapons but they look like they're just about to go tackle and beat somebody up and seeing you at the top of the stairs they see a sweet feast right before them so you have about a moment before they spring upon you. Our gear is fallen the chandel grip is shattered disperse if you know what's good for you. Alright roll an intimidate. And then he's also going to, like, you know, throw the broken bit of the chandel grip down in front of them. You can use that. And I'll give you advantage for that. Tossing the old rusty bit. Here comes that hot seven. They're like, wait a minute. If they killed him that easily, they're probably not that tough either. Oh, God. That's a 16. Okay. Okay, cool. And so with that, they all stop dead in their tracks and they look around and they say, you killed the wicked Calgir of the West? Yes, indeed. <laughs> if they break out in the song, I'm leaving. I'll just hit the close call button. I'll head out. Have a great night. <laughs> We've already had two of these false exits. We're not doing another one. All right. Um, so now, uh, yeah, okay. So they look up at you and they start to look back and forth and they say, well, you, you haven't heard the last of us. The shadows have secrets to tell. And we'll find... We'll, Let's go, guys. And they just start to disperse and run back down the stairs and sort of flood out of the place. You can hear rabble rousing downstairs as if, like, a room is being kind of, uh, I don't want to say ransacked, but, I mean, that's probably the best word for it. And so after a minute or so, they seem to kind of pile out, and you can see out the window above the stairwell here that they're all just kind of pouring out of the place. And you can see, like, the, the town is kind of alight with people outside and wandering around, and there's a bunch of these... Um, bandit-looking dudes just kind of running around. And it looks almost like it's about to venture to the side of being a riot. Um, but before a lot of them can start to lay waste to some of these important stores, you can see some of the townsfolk hearing word of Calgir's death. Even from just looking out the window, you can see this whole, like, anthill start to explode out there as people start to defend their businesses and start to brandish their own weapons. You can see some pitchforks and stuff. A particularly dirty farmer who doesn't look like he's had much of a job doing any work with his farm seems to have all of a sudden found a new, I don't know, reason to live having farmed again. And he comes to defend the tavern that he had so many free beers at. Not to be that specific, but yeah, the the old pea farmer there. But (laughs) Throwing so many old dry peas. Carmelly tripping bandits. (laughs) 
I was going to say, where does one find fresh peas anyway? Has anybody ever had non-frozen or non-freeze-dried peas? Where the hell do you get fresh peas? Out of the pod. Yeah. Like, yeah, but, yeah. but like, I just... So much work for such little food. Like, yep. it's just, it's just ridiculous. My grandma, when I was growing up, always had a garden. It's just, yeah, it's... <laughs> not worth it <laughs> it's just it's just who has the time for this anywho apart from that message from the p council um not not that p council the other p council which one are we sponsored by today because i need to know before uh you know the i can't with an a? i'm gonna i don't think <laughs> no. that's the one we're sponsored by today <laughs> this quest was brought to you by the letter p <laughs> oh my god. Um, okay, and so the party heads their way outside at this point, seeing the bandits start to kind of get shoved around, dispersed, beaten up as they're kind of making their way downtown. And they start just booking it and running out of the outskirts of the town. Some of them banding up together in like small troves, but it seems like this place is starting to kind of clear out a bit as you guys are walking around. And as you guys come out into the streets, every once in a while you see a couple of bandits come rushing up to you guys like they're going to do something, but even seeing you guys armed at all, um, it does seem like they kind of back down and run away. So it doesn't seem like they're, anybody's looking for a fight with you guys. But hearing the word of Calgir and all that stuff, it does seem like some townsfolk are already kind of cheering, seeing you guys leave the manor. And so already you've got people hooting and hollering about Calgir being dead and having the Shundle Grip put to rest. Um, but yeah, so where would you guys like to go now that there's such hubbub in the town? I think we have to go to the church. Yeah, the, I was about to say the church. Okay. And so as you guys head over to the church, um, it looks like the front door is open. They steal the candles? (laughs) (laughs) Won't somebody think of the candles? Did they steal the bread basket? Who would steal from a church? No, Anton would be like, if they ransack the church, Anton's going to be pissed. That's what finally that's, makes him go full like, dark night. <laughs> like, that's like that's like sacrilegious against everything he's about. Who would rob a church? Thank you, Ronnie. So at this point, the front doors are swung open. Did you guys want to go inside? Yeah. All right. So Anton leading the group, fearing for the worst that could have happened to the candles. Um, running inside, you can see something of... Uh, middle-aged, probably closer to his 30s than his 40s or 50s, but he's looking a bit more aged and wise by time than would appear for his age, but he stands there in full regal, uh, sorry, full regalia for a uh, man of the cloth of the Church of the Light here, and before him you see Pyther sitting in one of the uh, seats before the altar, and you can see that the sort of the posture here, the, the general body language of the two of them, it looks like the priest is kind of like consoling him or talking to him in a way, and in a way that like is comforting to him. And as you guys enter, the man kind of stops for a minute and he says, hold. He says, there is no business for those who would look. Oh, and he sees Anton come rushing in in the regalia as well and says, a brother of the light. And he says, welcome to the church. Well, praise be you are at the church. It seemed as if it may the worst may have occurred. The town seems to be in a bit of a turmoil. And he says, well, apparently word is traveling fast and it seems like something has happened out there. Seeing all of you guys in full standing and totally not wounded and maybe level three, it seems like something good may have happened out there. He says, I think my good friend Pyther has a bit of an apology to give to you. And so with that, Pyther looks up at you guys and you can see he's not crying 
but he definitely looks like moved in an emotional sense. Like he looks very guilty and he looks up at you guys and he says, look, I, I didn't mean to send you in there for any reason other than to help everybody. I, um, and he looks over at the priest again and he says, I had a lot to gain by sending you in there, but, and he pulls out of his uh, back pocket a piece of like oiled cloth and he peels it open and you guys can see inside a fat sapphire sitting in his palm. And he says, I've had this all along and it was in my shop. I stole it before and he suspected me of stealing something else, but I just, I'm sorry that I sent you in there like that. Well, the intentions were not bad. They were pretty bad. (laughs) Fighters like they were pretty bad. How did you steal it off of his eye patch? He's like, hey, look, I already gave you one invisibility potion, didn't I? Uh... (laughs) Just click up putting it together. Just (laughs) the two the two connections. That makes a lot of sense. He says, yeah, I mean, I guess it's as easy as that. He says, but I was just waiting for the right time to pawn this and skip town and go somewhere else. He says, but I don't know. I figured if you guys went in there and caused a bit of a hubbub and killed him or he killed you, it'd probably be enough to get enough steam going that I could escape and nobody would really question it. So I don't know. If it wasn't for Brother Emilier, I probably would have done that. But I agree that it wasn't very fair because if you guys didn't come to stop me from being hanged, I, I guess I wouldn't really be in a position to hightail it out of here. And maybe my luck has kind of run out and I should start being more accountable. And he looks over to you guys and he says, look, I'll help you make the alchemical components. I'll do as best as I can. And you can go back to order glare and, you know, send him my apologies for being the way I was before too. He says, I'll do whatever you guys need me to do. And then I'm going to, Try to do my best around here to be a better man about my business. Well, that is forgiven on my end, at least. Is there any way we can assist you? Just, just Norhill. Guilty! But, um... <laughs> Norhill's already back in the town square just rebuilding the gallows, just whistling. <laughs> like, oh, we did say we would hang them. <laughs> like, you take the high road and I'll build the gallows. So, uh, so long as you're sincere. And he says, oh, of course. And then the priest seems to give kind of a knowing nod as well. But with that, he says, all right, there's no time to spare. He says, perhaps we should wait until the rabble rousers have flooded out of the town. But in the meantime, he says, we could probably stay here and just sort of relax a bit and wait for it all to kind of blow over. Um, we kind of know the queen should we let her know that your town is probably in need of new guards? And so with that, the uh, priest nods and he says, I think it would make sense to send a courier out and explain to them our plight. Okay. Um, But was there anything else you guys wanted to talk to these two about before we kind of fast forward an hour's worth of time? I don't know where he was. Like, where was he? Why did he abandon the church? And so he says... He says, says, I never abandoned the church at all. He says, I've been hiding downstairs in the basement. He says, when the time comes and I must do some sort of rites or anything like that, he says, I do my best to be around. He says, but it's hard to disguise myself. I'm not one for skulking and shadows and doing such things. He says, but 
for the most part, I was just hoping something would happen to blow this all over. He says, chaos like this usually comes in fast and leaves faster. He says, these kinds of usurpers and tyrants don't last long in the face of good rulership. But I suppose that's up for a debate itself. But as soon as I knew that it was safe to come out, I came out today. Well, we may want to require assistance with possible issues in Glory Wake. This can be discussed in the morning, but there is a possible threat on the town. I mean, you can tell him about this in this hour. Yeah, I'll do that in the hour. But what are you trying to tell him about? Just giving him a, like, a heads up that Glory Wake's under attack, the temple will be under attack. Just like oh. assistance from the town. Wait, in yeah. Glory Wake that their temple's under attack? That it, it will most likely be under attack. Soon. Well, the instructions given to you suggested that there was a particular location that the party was going to have to go to outside of Glory Wake. There was kind of like an entry point that they could reach the mainland rather than attack a naval like city on a naval port. You know what I mean? Like it, it would not work out well for them to try to attack by the water on a place like that. So it seems strategically that they were going to attack a shore nearby. And that's where you guys were supposed to rendezvous with something of a small military band with your newly acquired Hydra business. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. <laughs> well, I mean, there is still an impending invasion. Right, right. It's going right. to land on the shores near Glory Wake, and we should probably tell him. I just don't want you telling the priest that Glory Wake is being bombarded right now and having oh, the church no, ransacked. Oh, no, I know not right I'm now. I'm like, that's I not the know, case. Like, I just know, like, possibly in the Right, right, right. The danger is coming. Right, of course. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify so that nobody thought that it was, like, going to be some Helm's Deep battle outside of Glory Wake or anything like that. Like, no. This was something of a, a landing of soldiers, something of, like, a, a first attempt on the land. But, um... Okay, and so you, you mentioned it to him, and he just mentions that he's going to have to stay here and protect the people and do his best to make up for the time he's lost in the public eye and do his best to help kind of guide the town until something shows up to help them. But, yeah. Okay. Um, and so after an hour or so, um, it seems like a lot of what happened outside is starting to die down, and instead of, like, a bunch of panicked yelling and stuff like that, it seems more celebratory than anything, and you guys can tell that people are out in the streets, and there's a bunch of, uh, those bandit guys who have been, I don't want to say, like, manacled and tied up and stuff, but there's quite a lot of them that have been, like, citizen arrested out in the street, and it seems like some people are picking up what would appear to be, like, guard uniforms, or, like, makeshift, you know what I mean? Taking back weapons from the barracks that had been taken from them. And it seems like a lot of people are starting to armor up and starting to maneuver around town, starting to reclaim the streets. But as you guys head out with Pyther, he heads off into a shop and leads you guys in. And for the next couple of hours, he starts to uh, grind up the sapphire as well as the special silver. And he makes something of a fine powder that has both the metal filings in it as well as flecks of the blue from the sapphire crushed and ground up inside of it. And with a single drop of perfectly purified water, it becomes this bright blue swirling kind of like, uh, what's what I'm looking for, opalescent would be, I guess, a word for that, mercurial, um, sort of blue and silver swirly thing in a, in a potion. And he hands it over to one of the members in the party and he says, I would trust this, whoever has the safest hand. He says, if this thing breaks, you guys are going to be in quite dire straits. So... Whoever trusted to hold this sort of thing. Here you go. Anton. Okay. 
What do we call this potion? Just to make sure the labels correctly. I mean, it's just alchemical components. It's not a big deal. Um, but with that, the party is free to either head out right now at about two o'clock in the afternoon and start making their way back to the uh, Ortiglare, or they can try to stay here for the night or something. So, what do you think would be best for the party? I mean, the sooner we get this over with, the better. Agreed. I'm just going to make sure that there's nothing that needs our direct assistance, that the town seems to be capable of holding their own, so we, so it's okay for us to leave. Sure. And I would say, even just walking around and seeing sort of like the militarization of the town again by the uh, guards and seeing so many... Um, so many, uh, so many of these bad guys that have been taken down and tied up like that. It does seem like there's been quite a restoration of of justice around here. So it does seem like it's in safe enough hands. Okay. Um, so with that, would the party like to head off to Glen, or would you guys like to stay in Gaborah for the night? Uh, I think before we leave, if we decide to leave, Klik uh, is gonna stop by the uh, church. And then sheepishly give the dagger she stole to Emily. No, what is it? Emily A. Emily A. Thank you. Um, and just like be, tell him that Clica uh, took this, but she doesn't need it anymore. So if the person who she took it from wants it back, they can have it. Fair enough. So we'll say that you sneak off and go do that while they're waiting for the components to be made. And when you show up, Emily A is there and he kind of greets you warmly and he says, he says, greetings, goblin. He says, I don't believe I ever actually caught your name in the hubbub of what had happened earlier. Oh, I'm Klika. He says, that's an interesting name. He says, from where do you hail? Um, Klika's from all over. He says, I know many a goblin who hail from Dustwind, the trade city. He says, is this the case for you as well? Uh, no. No, Glico's not from Dustwind. He says, Dustwind is an interesting place full of culture. He says, if I could ever make a recommendation, perhaps a side quest, go to Dustwind sometime. It's nice. I got a timeshare out there if you want. No, I'm just kidding. Um, updates her quest log. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the J key, yep. take a gander, start tracking, and go. Yep. Um, but with that, he says, so what brings you here? And I imagine Klika presents the dagger. and Yeah, explains how she got it, and that she doesn't need it anymore, and if the person comes by looking for it, they can have it back. So, giving sort of like a, a knowing nod to how innocent this gesture is, he says, Klika, if I didn't know any better, I would say you're not much older than just a child. And I don't mean that in an insulting way, so much to say that you have a lot of the innocence that a lot of people lose in this world after having seen many trials and tribulations. He says, I look at you and I can see that you've been through much. But for some reason, and I can't put my hand upon it, I see some sort of a glowing aura about you. I'm not sure what it is, but I sense some level of kinship here, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but you're a warm spirit. You're welcome and you are bright. I think you should carry that with you always. Oh, Klika, um, if, if Klika hey. has dragon blood, maybe that makes Klika warm. 
And so with that, he kind of lifts an eyebrow a little bit and as if he like knows something a little deeper and he says, ah, did you tell him about the dragon blood? Uh, just then, yeah, I guess. Okay, okay, just making sure that wasn't like a side joke to me or something. No. But with that, he lifts an eyebrow and he says, ah, yes, Dustwind. Click a should go to Dustwind. And with that, he kind of takes the dagger from you and rests it upon the altar here, and he says, you should probably get going back to your friends. It's still not safe out there. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> and so with that, um, was there anything else anybody wanted to do? Why was that so funny to both of you two clowns? Just Ronnie and Anthony <laughs> both cracking up when I said the toodaloo like that. Is that what we need? I just need to make a reoccurring character who talks like that. Just like an intelligent conjured mount that's just like, hey! It really makes any situation better. Yeah. Let's hoof it, everybody! <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I can't do that forever. My voice will be hoarse! <laughs> Which is ironic, because I'm a mule. Um, so, now... Uh... Was there anything else anybody needed to do in Gabora? This has been a silly episode. <laughs> I'm okay yeah. with it. I just hope we don't get robbed in the night by all these robbers. <laughs> That's just scattered to the wind. They're all just right on the outskirts of town. Just, just cracking yeah. knuckles cartoonishly <laughs> waiting for you. <laughs> no! Just trolling through the forest in the dead of night. 47 crossbow bolts hit the road. <laughs> Dodge all that. <laughs> and so with that, the party sets out at about 3 p.m. with all the alchemical components in tow and a sense of urgency upon them. So as the party heads out on the way to Glint, could I get a group of improvisational traveling notes? Now that it's late fall-ish, um, it's going to be rather cold on travels. No rain! Very windy, but no rain. As you guys are going to be traveling through the plains on the way home. There's some thickets of forest upon, uh, upon your way out, but um, beyond that, it's just kind of rolling hills and plains. So who wants to start it off with the improvisational traveling? I'm going to be picking up different colored leaves. I haven't been around. I really have never really traveled in a glory wake, so it's kind of nice to see, like, the different changing parts of nature. They okay. only had pines at the uh, Glory yeah. Wake Chapel. <laughs> all evergreens. Just exclusively succulents. Yeah. Just so many giant succulents. That'd be kind of cool, but that would be kind of neat. Are but, you okay. going to be like pressing them in anything or trying to keep uh, them in any way? Oh, that'd be kind of cute. I don't know if I'm necessarily keeping them. I feel like I'm more just, like, trying to experience them, oh. like, in the moment. But I don't, I don't think Ganton's the kind of guy who keeps stuff. He's not much of, like, a collector. Fair enough. Yeah. That's fair. I could have also seen Anton collecting, like, wildflowers and stuff like that, writing some little notes and keeping a log. That would have been cute. Yeah, but I could see him also. I could also see him not carrying those things and just being, like, picking them up for a moment, looking at it, and be like, huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fair enough. So, anybody else got any improv travel notes? Hmm. Um, so, while we're traveling, it would be nice if we stumble across, like, you know, a uh, uh, stunning natural vista. Like, you know, we crest a hill and we can see, you know, the forest stretch out in the distance. 
Yeah, I'll say that you reach something of a high point on a hillock and you can see the forest of the Wandering Swordsman, but in the distance to the north, you guys can see towards where Cooperford is, you can see gray rolling clouds in the distance up by the farm mountains to the north, and you guys can see like a storm head just kind of rolling in real fat, dark, and slow, and you can see the occasional light pocket inside of it as night's kind of descending. And it looks very ominous, but in a way that you're like, well, at least we didn't go that way. But, yeah. Okay, anybody else got anything for the uh, next couple days of travel? I think um, while we're doing, like, our nightly shifts and stuff every night, uh, Klika's going to spend the time, like, with a stick drawing around the campfire all of our adventures so far, just, like, crudely drawn in the dirt like just sort of like a circle of the story and then when she runs out of room she'll just continue it on the next one so yeah it's just like shows all of us and there's a bunch of big scary goats at one point and a lot of times Klika is as big or bigger than Jarzak but <laughs> sometimes she's carrying Jarzak there's a lot of little discrepancies it's like those those nightmarish drawings that kids draw where like the limbs are attached to faces because yeah. kids don't have the concept of a torso yet apparently and they just draw like hands with three fingers sticking off of necks on yeah. like just big round heads yeah just so that when everyone wakes up in the morning they just see essentially a weird pictogram of our adventures so far Jarzak's just like wait why does this picture have you picking your nose and wiping it on my pillow <laughs> Like, twas a great adventure indeed. <laughs> indeed. Okay, and then we get to Jarzak in the morning for your improv. Unless uh, you did something that night. No, I don't, no, I don't think you would have done something at night. But uh, would we be passing any, like, streams or anything? Yeah, you guys are actually, if I'm not mistaken, following a river for quite a, quite a ways on your way to Glint. So, with uh, Jarzak's last encounter with a river, it didn't go so well. And so, he's going to find, like, the most shallow point in the river, probably one he could just walk across and try and brave it and get across the river. <laughs> okay, we'll say that you wake up at, like, daybreak and head out there in your skivvies, just going out there for, like, a nice morning treading. Oh, man, you you can do this. You can you can make it across a river. You it's easy. It's just water. It just runs full speed across it. Just It's like ankle depth. <laughs> just ends up walking across water, moving so quickly, but nobody's around to see it. Yes, I did it. <laughs> I have Gee. conquered water. Thanks, Tormentor. Um, giant shadowy hand high fives out of the sky. But, <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Okay, and so by the end of the second day, the party has reached the Forest of the Wandering Swordsman outside of Glint, um, and by nightfall, um, I'm going to need perception checks from the party. And also, can I get two trail rations from everybody used for the two days of travel? Yep. Thank you. Nine. Hot three from Klika. <laughs> oh, we got a Zachary. nine from Jerzak? Yeah, Jarzak and Cleek are real busy talking about these pictures and what they mean. <laughs> mm -hmm. What a normal game. Jarzak keeps erasing himself and making himself bigger. <laughs> it's just just giant stick figures. 
Uh, Northville got a 13 on that perception check. Okay. And what about our friend Anton? I also got a 13. And just an FI, I am out of rations. So. Very good. I have no food. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Like you're out before this or like during this? I, it, like when he said the two rations, that was all I left. Okay. This, this just so. finished you off. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. And so what's the order of the watch for the evening? I'll go first because I'm hungry. <laughs> and I can't sleep. <laughs> God damn it. Then, will take one of the late watches, either second or third. Okay. And we'll say that Jarzak wakes up early so he can try to find a stream to go treading in in the morning. Yeah. And then that would leave Klika on the second watch. And so the night passes by uneventfully. It's bitterly cold, but it passes by uneventfully. Um, and at the first rays of morning light, as Jarzak gets up and starts heading off to go dangle his dinky toes in the stream nearby, you walk out of the cover from where the campsite is. And as you step through some of the bushes, you see what appear to be about 12 to 15 individual bandits out here. And all of them had been sort of in, I don't want to say like makeshift camouflage, but they seem to be decked out in natural colors and covered in leaves and dirt and whatnot. But the most gruesome part about it is each one of them seems to have been lacerated in some brutal way with like a perfectly clean, almost bloodless cut. And they're all just dead in a heap around what appears to be a small makeshift campsite without a fire. And so as you step through the bushes and see just a pile of maimed bandit looking guys, um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, not horrific in a sense that it's like a bloodbath. It's just so perfectly done that it seems kind of like, I don't want to say nightmarish, but like, you know what I mean? Like a professional did this, right? Yeah. Did you want to still go to the stream and go? Uh, so when Jarzak sees this, that's pretty close to our camp, right? About 50 or so feet. Uh. Oof. Jarzak just kind of like looks back at the who was last on watch. Uh, just Norhill. Yeah, I believe it was no, all. All of three of them were before me. So yeah, looks back and he's like, "Which one of them did this? They didn't even invite me to the party." And just keeps going. Just now upset that he didn't get to have any fun. <laughs> Fair enough. And so after your shift is essentially over and you come back from the stream dripping from a tiptoe running, um, uh, the rest of the party awakens and begins setting up for their morning breakfast uh, and whatnot. And I will say that Anton is sort of a little bit off this morning. Anton feels this strange sensation that like, I don't know, you had a very strange dream as if like, how do I want to say it? you had a dream that was almost interrupted by somebody else's dream is the only way I can put it, where you were dreaming about something innocuous, something just like, you know, typical, like you're falling out of bed and you get the <gasps> feeling or whatever. And you're just like off to your first day at priestly school, but you're in your underpants. And there's like a weird moment where you sense like something behind you in your sleep. And no matter how many times you turn around, there's nothing there. And no matter how many times you turn around, it starts to be like more trees and bushes start to sprout up in your dream until you're in the middle of a pitch black dark forest and you see a white figure step out from behind a tree and says, thank you. You are protected in these woods. Travel fair and travel well. 
and it kind of dips back into the trees. And as you sort of hear Jarzak come moseying through the bushes from his little streamy walk and look over there, you get this like flash bang, flash bulb memory where you like all of a sudden remember that exact tree sort of scape looking in that direction as if somebody had walked the same footsteps that Jarzak's now walking. And like almost like to a T, his body's moving where that guy, that weird white form was walking. And yeah, so you just have like a weird like deja vu-ish kind of dreamy moment. The wandering swordsman, he liked the food. And Jarzak's walking through the bushes right now and he's like, wandering swordsman. What? Yeah, so and he, I would get through the bushes and realize that they're like waking up and stuff and he's like, all right, which which one of you made this mess back here? Didn't invite old Jarzak. I'm not even mad. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like that was. I'm impressed. Anton kind of real quick. Can yeah. we confirm whether we're sponsored by PEA or PEE right now? Because this is gonna come up. Oh no. <laughs> You know what? Let's go full to the boards. Drop the A. We know who we're sponsored by. The York Council right, of America. Go ahead. Jarzak, what are you talking about? Okay, so that's one of you out. It, you, any, you two, you guys, anything? What is Start? this... It, Anton kind of wanders to his feet and like oh waddles God. in the path. It that was Kleka? <laughs> what? Jarzak, uh, wow. like, you said I shouldn't tell you every time I need to use the little goblin's room when I'm watching. <laughs> you said no. uh, told oh, me no. not to tell you. Oh, oh, this is why we know who the sponsor is because we use the little goblin's room <laughs> brought to you by the P Council. For fuck's sake. So anyway, he said, "Who left that mess over there?" <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's just with that, he's like, "I don't know, guys, come look at what Kleeka did." <laughs> I was gonna say, and as as yeah, as everybody starts to get up, Anton has already gotten up to his feet with a strange yeah. pull to going over there. And as you step past Jarzak, you see the maimed corpses of all of the bandits back here, and you have a moment where you're like, <gasps> "Kleeka saved our lives last night." I don't think that was Klika. Nothing against you. Are there again? Sorry. About ten to twelve of them. When you do an actual count, there's eleven. I don't think this was Klika's work. Nothing against your work, Klika, but this was. I think we were protected by the wandering swordsman. Was there any sign of a struggle at all? Like, was this a battle fought, or were they all just like you know? Single cuts. Give me a quick investigate. Six. I mean, the way it looks, I mean, it doesn't, it, it's all single cuts across the board. So it looks like whoever did the slice and knew exactly what they were doing. Well, wandering swordsmen or no, this is swift work. Well, I don't think there was any ill intentions toward us. I swear I had a. A vision in the night of possibly the wandering swordsman thanking us for when we entered the woods and left left them a bit of food, of wine, of praise and protection, and clearly they've heard our call. Dun, dun. 
Well, better do it again. Don't want to be on their bad side. Uh, when we break camp, Norhill's going to you know, leave, leave a food offering himself. Okay. Just a trail ration? Yeah. Okay. And so did anybody want to loot the bodies of all those goons, or did you guys want to just kind of leave it be? Jarzak will start looking at it, see if they have anything worth taking. Sure. Amongst them all for weapons, I mean, there's like three daggers, four clubs, and a couple of short swords. So it's not like there's a lot to be taken in that regard. Beyond that, there's a couple of small shields. Again, nothing really super special. Uh, as far as loot goes, it does seem like these guys may have taken quite a bit from the town, as there's 90 total silver pieces amongst all of them to be taken, as well as 34 gold pieces. Oh, wow. And then amongst them, there's about eight trail rations to be gathered. Um, I'm not stealing those. I'd rather give those away and buy rations on my own. Uh, yeah, Jarzak skips the rations. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll I'll leave out like half of them, like with the uh, Norhills one he left out. Okay, just leave it a nice picnic for this ghost who doesn't yeah. eat food. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> Jarzak doesn't know if this is true or not. He's not about to roll that dice though. <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah, Norhills in the same boat there. I, then he's gonna give like the other half to Klika because it's between one of those two that dealt with the bandits. <laughs> Uh, here, here's some, some extra food for you. And apart from that, there's also a handful of pieces of charcoal, as well as like three pieces of chalk. Um, in addition, there's also a 10-foot stretch of chain, a 50-foot rope. I don't know if anybody want to keep track of any of this. Um, and a 10. Can Norhill have the chalk and chain? Sure. Nobody minds. Sure. Well, I think I'm actually going to take the rope Okay. And it's just 50 foot of hemp rope. Okay, and then what else was there? Other than that? The uh, charcoal and the tent? Yeah. Oh, the tent. Uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll grab, Charizard will take the tent. Fair enough. Okay. And so with that, the party finishes up their travels, unless there's anything you guys wanted to say? No? Okay. So upon the third day, the party just shifts away from going to Glint proper and heads off into the forest over by that, um, over by the lake so that they can go find the uh, Order Glare himself. Um, can I get some survival checks from whomever will be leading us into the woods? Uh, is it still Klika? I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anton, Anton can still offer the uh, guidance. Uh, actually, I might not be able to. Why wouldn't you be able to? Because I'm pretty sure I switched up my spells. It's a cantrip. Did you get rid of the yeah, cantrip? Cantrips are permanent. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, I didn't get... I thought I can... Mm... No, Just I don't so think I, I had... I don't think I was able... But I only have to, like... I can only have four cantrips prepared. No, you have four cantrips because you prepare... You never have to prepare them. You cast them whenever. So the idea is you're only allowed to have four, and that's why it's so dangerous picking which ones you pick, because you don't get to change them, and you're pretty much stuck with them forever. <laughs> so <'Cause> you... <laughs> Ronnie's just preparing I them, I changed them when I leveled up. Oh, Jesus. Uh, well, you had guidance before. I know that, so... I mean, if you I, want to get guidance I, now... I think I switched it with Spare the Dying. So you don't have guidance no more? No, I have resistance. 
Which well, resistance is futile. <laughs> so I don't have, uh, yeah, I don't have guidance, sorry. Did you want to switch around to get a master list? That way you're not stuck with whichever ones you've decided for this level. I mean, you don't have to do it right now. I'm just saying, if you're going to give him guidance, you can go ahead and give him guidance now. Uh, yeah, one second. Should I just, like, switch that on the back end? Just go ahead and roll a d4 for us. Uh, All the excitement of a podcast. You got one... Wait, you're telling me we just did all that hubbub to get a plus one? Ryan, I hope. I hope that one helped you. It took, it took my 11 to a 12. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'll pretend like that did so much more than it did. And following the path that you guys had followed initially, you make your way to the secret little fishing hole and find a certain chessboard out by a tree at about midday on the third day of travel. What do you do now? Anybody, for the love of God. Ohil's going to go up and sort of uh, knock on the chessboard uh, in front of the uh, rook as if to, you know, announce our presence to order glare at his home. Okay, and so with that, the uh, chessboard starts to rumble a little bit along the tree, and the tower kind of floofs out a purple mist, and out pops a man in a deep purple shimmering shawl, a uh, tall old man, the mage order glare, and he comes out with a strange pile of rags over his head, all of them very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Iridescent and glowing in like many different shades of purple and blue and bright greens and yellows. And he looks upon you and he says, who dares touch my... Oh, hey, it's you guys. And so he says, well, how have you fended? Well, it was uh, more than an adventure than we anticipated, but we return with both the component and Pyther's apologies for his past behaviors. And so you see two big, giant, fluffy, white eyebrows kind of wriggle around on his forehead as he sort of looks you guys over for a second, and he said, you apologized? Indeed. The way of the light is slowly cleansing him. And then and I so over the potion. He looks at you in a very, very, like, strange way where he's like, yeah, that sounds about right. I guess Pyther would have to find the light at some point, and that would be the one and only thing to get him off of what he was doing. Either way, now that we have these components, I suppose we can be well on our way to making this particular scroll, if you still want me to do this. Yes, indeed. And so with that, he kind of just shrugs a little bit, and he says, well, I figure it's probably safer if you stay with me and my home rather than out here. But I warn you, my home is not one for travelers and not one for visitors, so you will stay in the visitor's chamber that I have prepared. Understood. my mind to do anything otherwise. Good. And so with that, what? he says, he says, blue's gonna do, we can too. And then everybody just does like a, <laughs> and you guys all shrink and fly into the chest piece. And what you if guys we get hungry? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> what if we get hungry? It's just salt and pepper. Um, 
So with that, uh, the party shows up inside of a magical space with inside of the uh, chest piece. And before you guys is a strange and magnificent lair. Uh, it almost kind of looks like the Resident Evil mansion from the first game there, where there's just two giant sweeping stairwells that go up and around. And there's a giant landing up on the top, but the downstairs is all marble with tons of beautiful carpets and everything everywhere, as well as paintings on the walls and sculptures. And he says, now, listen, your room, and he points to a small chamber to the left, and he says, is over there. I'll be done with this in nothing more than an hour, maybe two or three, perhaps a day. But you will stay in there, and if you need anything for food or anything like that, simply request it upon the air, and it will be brought upon you. Understood? Understood. What if, what if we want to go fishing? And he looks over at you <laughs> and shifts his eyebrows, and he says, then leave. Go fishing. Okay, thank you. And so Blue Skadoo Kalika leaves. <laughs> I just know Jarzak bought that fancy fishing pole. Didn't know if he wanted to use it because this was the good spot. Yeah, definitely. Gonna bust that out. So Jarzak's like, I want to leave too. <laughs> yeah. The, the whole fishing thing too. Same Z's. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna eat, so I'm gonna stay in that room. <laughs> and so with that with the party split um that's where we're gonna end the episode <laughs> oh no hey everybody it's the young grognard here i want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast if you have anything you'd like to tell me any questions or concerns shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on twitter or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com as always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks.